This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hi, my loves, my honeys. Welcome back to part two of The Mother Wound. I am so excited that you have returned and so beautiful to see people really taking value from these episodes just like they did with the father wound. I am truly so excited to have Stephanie back with us but also for us to get into body image because this is something that so many of us have dealt with, struggled with, battled with and I don't think this connection to the mother, to our mums, to the mother wound has ever really been discussed. I'm also fascinated how we touch on the suppressed mother in today's episode because the more and more that I talk to my friends about this, we realize that all of our mothers lived these suppressed lives saying, oh, I did all of this for you. You know what I used to do when I was younger. Or basically without even explicitly communicating that, they make nods and references to the life that they could have lived or that they would have lived if they lived in today's generation. That makes me really, really sad because I want my mum to be happy and to thrive in the remaining few decades, hopefully, of her life. So I think that understanding this concept of the suppressed mother and the suppressed mum is a really bittersweet building block in understanding why our mother also might be the way that she is. Sometimes I honestly just have to take a step back and truly understand how the differences in our generations and even the generation before that with our grandparents within the house, within the kitchen, is so wildly different to the lives that we are able to live today. And I feel so much gratitude to be able to live in this generation today where we can do so many more things Than the generation that came before us. So, I think my final reminder for you today is for us all just to take a small moment and be so grateful that, yes, we still live within a male dominated patriarchy of a society that is so deeply corrupt and broken in so many ways. But on the flip side, the truth is, is that we are not chained and tied metaphorically, hopefully not physically to the kitchen and to the house in a way that we used to be, in the ways that we used to be, unless that is the type of life that we want to live. So I think there's something really beautiful through exploring this concept of the suppressed mother too. From your healing girl walk to your hit class, from weight training to Pilates, picking the kids up from school or rushing to therapy, or even out for your third iced coffee of the day, even though we know we're only supposed to have one, Lilybod has something for everyone. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Lilybod. Use code OPENHOUSE at checkout for 30% off wherever you are based in the world. Lilybod is an Australian designed activewear brand that I've been wearing since 2015, so coming up for nearly a decade. And when I tell you that the pieces from 2015 that I still own still look new, I can guarantee that they work for everything and everyone. And I have 100% faith in this brand. But what I love most about this brand is that their focus this year is to share the word around how physical health is just one part of the puzzle to feeling your best. They understand that mental health starts from within and I love that they're the brand that supports me as I navigate this beautiful thing called life, whether I'm having a good day, a bad day, or a I need to call my therapist day. Use code OPENHOUSE at checkout for 30% off now back to the main episode. I love you guys so much. I'm going to see you on the flip side and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Open House podcast. It is my absolute honor to have Stephanie Therapy back with us today, one of the most incredible therapists I have ever met. She is doing so much good in this world. She is a beautiful human being. I have goosebumps even introducing her, which says it all. So I'm so, so happy to have her back. And today we are getting into the mother wound the controlling mother, the jealous mother, the overbearing mother. So let's get into this. I know it also ties into body image. And in my experience, I have had a controlling mother in the home. So she controls everything. And every time she walks into my bedroom, there's eye rolls and frustrations and you're so messy. And, you know, she has made comments to me before. One which really, really stuck with me. She said, how can you ever expect a man to love you? when you're this messy. And that fucking hit me so hard because the truth is like, I'm messy, but I'm not dirty. I will never leave dirty stuff around like anywhere. I'm just a bit messy. I'll just throw or drop a towel on the floor. And honestly, I actually think it's because I probably have ADHD as well. I've learned so much about how just dropping shit everywhere is because my brain doesn't function like her brain works. So I definitely have experienced like overbearing in that kind of controlling sense but never really controlling me. And it might be because I pushed away from it. Like I am the least controllable person ever. Like I, you can't control me. And that's probably a coping mechanism is like, I'm me, I'm strong, I'm fiery. I do feel like in life generally, I'm pushing against the boundaries of what is expected and normal. I'm not settling down and having kids right now like everyone else is. And I think probably now we're talking about it, it's probably ties back in some capacity to like these big boundaries that that my mum put on me. So yeah, I just love your thoughts on like the overbearing mother and what kind of comes within this category. What you just shared, Louise, is so common and I see it all all the time in in sessions. So this identity that we have sort of connected to cooking and cleaning and taking care of the home, when so many people hate doing it, we hate thinking of meals every day for our children or just for ourselves. We hate cleaning. There's nothing wrong with that. But we have connected an identity, and I do think it stems from an older generation. And I knew it was rooted in my conditioning because I was having relationship problems a few years ago now. And I have friends who are married, and they have these great relationships, these incredible partners. And at the time, I was really doubtful about moving forward in my relationship. And I'd go to their house, and I'd think... God, the house is so dirty. And she would be sat down with a glass of wine, watching TV, and he would be cooking and there would be mess everywhere. And I'd be thinking, does he not care that she's so messy? Mm. 
And that was my conditioning from my mum because my mum built her whole identity on keeping the house clean, on keeping things nice because she didn't really have anything else. She didn't have anything outside of that. And so the life that you live, Louise, is the life that if mum was healed or had done the work in her 20s, you're living the life she would have loved to live. You are living like the, the life that she should have been living, the traveling, enjoying herself, deciding whether she wanted to have kids or not. We as women now, especially in our 30s, are living the lives that women generations ago couldn't live. They couldn't live, you know? And that's why we we have thrown caution to the wind and got rid of the control because we don't have to do that. We can get our own mortgages. We can have our own businesses. If we want to have casual sex, we can. If we want to get married, we can. We make the decisions. Mum only had control in her house. My mum only had control in her house. My grandma only had control in her house. And so you have control externally, Louise. You have control outside of the home. And it's so important to recognize that when it comes to the overbearing mother, she has goals and dreams suppressed. She has parts of her that have sort of slowed down to embers. Then she, her fire's burned out. And then this child comes along and and she sees it being, like you said, just creative, being herself, being his self, being out there, just being, you know, what would you say, you know, unique and not worrying about control. And so she has to place limits on that child. That's the only way she can love by placing limits there. And so it might be putting them into lots of after school clubs or look how great I am as a mom because my child is excelling. I might have failed. And you see it, you know, my daughter's in private school and I see it a lot with uh, some of the moms, the stay-at-home moms especially. They are amazing. They will go to all these games and, and push their children. And you see, because they are caring and nurturing me outside of themselves. And sometimes this overbearing mum is someone who is just trying to nurture something outside of herself. And so it can come across as a helicopter parenting. It can come across as controlling. Then you have the other side of it. I don't want my child to have their own identity. You are not going to enjoy life the way I did. The world isn't safe. And we see this with mothers who have experienced maybe sexual abuse or have been in families where there are meshed large families, you know, five, six siblings, homes where they were had to share bedrooms and, and you know, they maybe did live on a council estate or whatever. You see this, it's, it can be an overprotectiveness, but it goes too far because they're trying to stop the person from, or the child, sorry, from going out there and experiencing what they did. And on the flip side of that, again, if they develop an identity outside of themselves, what role does the mom have? Who am I? Who am I once my child discovers the world and, and goes off and does their own thing? Where is my role? And I think that's what it is with the overbearing mom. And we can become so enmeshed with them and so responsible for them. You know, we end up constantly showing up for Christmases when really we don't want to do that or, you know, having to fit into a, a standard for them and that makes them feel comfortable. Okay, before we get into the enmeshed mum, because I have a great story about this, I just want to say that that is so amazing what you said around like the first category of like overbearing mother is actually the one that's like suppressed their own dreams. And a psychic woman once said to my mum that I am just like her, but without any of the restraints. So that is just like so magical that you said that because that is the truth is like, I am out here living my life, like being in Mexico, being in London. I've lived in New York. I've lived in LA. I've lived in Dubai. Like I am living, I am working, I am making money. 
Whereas she didn't have that opportunity. Like she really has suppressed her own dreams to be that incredible woman in the family home. And she has been upset by that in the past. Like she has got upset kind of when we've spoken about it, that when she really gets to the core of it, she does feel like she's suppressed her life to be this mother. So I think that's just so amazing that you touched on that. And the second point there that you said about like the jealous mum, like that's not something that I've personally experienced, but boy, oh boy, have I seen that in some of my friends. Like I have mums where the daughter will run a marathon and then the mother who's 65 will go and do an Ironman. Okay, maybe that's a bit of an intense like example, but they would literally do what they had done and then one up the daughter. And I'm sat there being like, this is crazy. Like this is not not normal behavior at all. So it's so interesting that you've explained that like they can't they can't handle their daughter having an identity because it like it's like triggering for them so they need to strengthen their identity by almost like one-upping them. That for me is crazy. And the final thing here is like the enmeshment. So my friend told me the craziest story which was that he started dating this girl. He met the mum and the daughter on holiday. So he actually met the mum. And yeah, they basically entered into like a throuple relationship, which is where like, every time that something would happen, the mum would message my friend being like, my daughter's not like that. Like you've got the wrong end of the stick. Like she didn't do this, like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, actually shook. But then he sent me this girl's Instagram account and this adorable girl, she was so young. She was so skinny. I just was like, oh my God, the daughter is chronically anorexic. And she has this mum that is messaging her boyfriend. Like, I don't even know if she's asked her to, I doubt she has. This for me was like the perfect explanation of an enmeshment. And I said to my friend, I said, babe, this is enmeshment. You need to look into it. This is a deeply unhealthy relationship. You shouldn't have a third partner in your relationship. And this is never going to be conducive for a you and her healthy relationship because it's not going to be a her and her mum healthy relationship. So I'd love to just hear your thoughts on anything else you have to add around like the jealousy, like the one-upping piece or on this piece of enmeshment. With enmeshment, Louise, I'm sure you've studied it as well. It's where two people coexist, they co-regulate together. The child becomes responsible for the parent's emotions. It's almost like you said, it's a codependency. It's where they are, the child's responsible for the adult's emotions. The adult feels controlling of the child. They don't allow them to grow up. They take responsibility for everything they do. You know, they will speak on their behalf. Even like you said, sending those text messages when she was more than capable of of sticking up for herself, it's when a child doesn't have a voice, the adult gives the child an adult voice, if that makes sense. Now, we relish in this role because what happens is when a mother is not seen in the home, for example, by the father or she's very lonely, she doesn't really have a voice of her own, the child becomes her sounding board. They sleep together. They eat together. She reminds the child every day, what would I do without you? I've been lost without you. I'm constantly placing this responsibility onto the child. Now, a lot of people have asked, why do I have this masculine energy? I don't have a father wound. Why is it that I am hyper-independent? And again, going back to our podcast on the, the father wound, people have been probably questioning their relationship around their father. But oftentimes, when you have a mother wound, you can become the husband that that mother never had. 
And that's why you take on masculine traits. That's why you become hyper-independent. You will either become the husband they don't have, the friends they don't have, the siblings they never had. You take on that role and you are so sort of, it, you're like one person. Your thoughts are the same, your feelings are the same. So like you say, you have a, a disagreement. And this happens a lot. I see this a lot, Louise, in Asian families with my Asian clients where there are big families that live together and mom tends to not have a voice in such a heavy masculine environment and the daughters are then sort of it's like imprinting on their daughters it's like they are the feelings are so enmeshed and it's hard because the work is so hard when culturally you have a mother wound and you're so connected to your mom but you also resent her for not following her dreams for not standing up to your dad because she has made you responsible for her feelings. And again, you have this conflict within you where you're like, I want to heal from this, but I don't want to leave her. And that's what tends to happen. And again, touching on the moms who get jealous, there are certain women who cannot cope with their daughters getting older. And usually, psychologically, you know, there's been studies on this, a mother will disconnect from her child at the point when her mom disconnected from her. So I noticed a shift with my mom when I was about 13, 14. It was when I got my first job. I started buying myself perfumes and clothes. And, you know, I started sort of seeing the local, my, my local boyfriend. And everything was just being, I was being questioned all the time. Where were you going? And her relationship with me just changed. And she admitted recently, you know, Stephanie, it was, I struggled to accept that you were a teenager, that you didn't need me anymore. You know, she... She would, I remember Louise, we would come home and our dinners would just be in the oven. And she'd say, right, there's, I've put some foil over your dinners. Do you want me to warm them up? No, I'm going back out. I'm going back out. Oh, I'm not hungry. And so my mum really lost her role in the home there. And so she started to, it was almost like compete, not compete with us because she she's never really been someone who, who would have those outward behaviours. But it was like she became, she regressed to our age. Why are you going out? Who are you going with? So yeah, I've, I've experienced the, the jealousy. And the other point that we spoke about as well, this emotional, uh, where a mother is emotionally unavailable. She doesn't feel her emotions, so she doesn't allow you to feel yours. The absent mother, the mother who she's upset, but she hides away in her bedroom. The mother who, when you're crying, she's uncomfortable with you crying, she doesn't comfort you. That mum, I think, is probably one of the, has the, one of the biggest impact on her daughters, on her children. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, that is so beautiful for sharing. Thank you so much. And I love doing these episodes with you because we have so much in common, but we also have so many different things that we've gone through that I love that we can both share our own experiences to help everyone listening. And I think that that's why Open House is such a beautiful space because there will be someone listening to this episode that has gone through what you have gone through. And I think that that ties into this point about being responsible for our parents' emotions. And I mean, I would say this is one of the biggest problems with my mother wound is like the deep responsibility that I feel for my mother, particularly in terms of I've almost been my parents' therapist for the past like 20 years 
before I went to therapy and realized, wow, that's not normal. That's not healthy. This isn't my role. The amount of stress that I'm experiencing subconsciously by doing this is deeply stressful and impacting for me. And I need to take a step out. So now I've set a boundary and I will try and keep that boundary. But my mom talks to me about my dad all the time, constantly, multiple times a week. But it wasn't until I started speaking to one of my best friends about this that she was like, oh my God, I'm in exactly the same situation. And yeah, there is some level of enmeshment there with her, with her parents as well, like there is with me, is that I feel responsible for trying to get them to see what's going on. Because for me, when I can step out of it, it's so obvious. I'm like, guys, this is so black and white. When you do this, it triggers this. When you do that, it triggers that. If you just stop doing that, it will stop doing that. Like I can see what needs to be done, but of course that's not my battle to fight. I'd love to just pick your brains on like how people should be setting a boundary. So maybe they have an attacking mother, maybe they have an overbearing mother, a jealous mother, a controlling mother. Maybe they're responsible for their parents' emotions. Maybe they're slightly enmeshed with them. How would you go about starting to set a boundary with someone because it can be very very triggering for someone that's not doing the work so first off Louise the most important thing to acknowledge is that you don't know your mom the way you think you do at the depth that you think you do because she has hidden parts of her that she's suppressed that she's not even aware of and so Thinking that we know our parents or our mothers wholeheartedly and that we're going to be able to judge the situation or we're going to be able to micromanage it or be responsible for it is just a no-go. For you to get to know your mum on a, on a deeper level and to have these conversations, you have to know yourself. This is what I say to my clients. You have to know yourself so well so that you are aware of your own bids for connection with mum so you are aware of the triggers surrounding mum and also knowing yourself enough to know that you had a very different experience with your mum than maybe your siblings had. You know, not every child has the same sort of experience that their brother or sister had. Whether you're the oldest child who had your parents, your mother, when she was starting out when she was a young woman, when she was more energetic, or whether you were the baby and you came along quite late, or maybe your parents improved their financial situation. Maybe you were your, your parents' therapist. We always have that sort of measurement with the oldest child. The middle child tends to be able to see things clearly and differently. They come along and they start pointing out everyone's sort of crap and being like, you did this, you did that. And the baby gets to be the baby. The middle child doesn't get to be responsible and doesn't get to be childlike. And so you have to be aware of your triggers. What I tend to do with my clients is we have a little saying called this feels like when. So get to know yourself, spend time with your parents, your mother, spend time with your siblings. And when something comes up for you, an emotion in the body, just write down this feels like when. And it might be a memory from your childhood, you know, say, for example, you've invited your mom to your baby shower and she said she can't because she's got coffee morning with her friends. This feels like when. This feels like every parent's evening that she missed. Or this feels like when I first told her I wanted her to meet my boyfriend. There is always going to be a trauma memory in there. A part of you that is still traumatized. We're always reliving these memories. Get these triggers written down. Because if you know what triggers come up when you are with your mom, you can sort of either work around them or present them to her. 
And I'll give you an example, Louise. My mom had huge issues with body image growing up because she had this incredible figure. Um, she had me and my two sisters and she still stayed super thin. Then she had my brother and she struggled to lose the weight. She was a lot older on, on in life. And we'd sit there and we'd see people like Kylie Minogue on the TV and she'd go, well, yeah, well, Kylie hasn't had kids. And it was always this message that if you have children, you have to let yourself go. So I was terrified having my daughter thinking, I'm going to be huge, I'm going to put weight on, and I'm going to lose my looks, and my partner's not going to fancy me anymore. And these were really small micro messages that I picked up growing up. And I noticed it when my mum was around my daughter. My daughter's got super white teeth. And she said to my my mum, she wrote, why are your teeth not white anymore, nanny? And my mom said something like, oh, well, let's see what your teeth are like when you're my age. And I said, don't do that. Because you've just communicated to her that everything you've done in your life, like drinking coffee. My mom smoked as a young woman. She doesn't smoke anymore. I said, your lifestyle and your choices made this sort of the way for you. I said, you're basically telling her that when you're old, your teeth just go a certain way or you put weight on. So those sort of messages. So I find it easy to set those and she she knows, she says, oh, sorry, you know, and I catch her in them. But years ago, she wouldn't have done that the way she would have said, stop picking on me. She would have been super triggered. So knowing what your triggers are and knowing what her triggers are, you can kind of work around that, you know, and it might be, again, your mum might say to your your children, come on, eat up, finish everything on your plate. And you might believe that a child should stop eating when they're full. Just having those boundaries where you say, you know, mom, I love you, but I'm going to allow her to to eat what's on her plate and then she's going to leave when she's full. And and offering her compassion and saying something like, mom, you know, growing up, we didn't have much money. So you kind of made us eat everything on our plate. Well, we're not in that situation. And I understand your sort of black mentality, but we don't have that here. And, you know, I love you. And it's offering compassion. And again, if you don't have children, it might be again, mom, I know you think because I don't have children that I've got all this free time or your friends. This is the worst. When women don't have children, their friends tend to think that they're not busy. So it's just figuring out what your triggers are. What does she say that, that upsets you? What does it remind you of? How old does your mom make you feel? And when she says something to you, say to her, mom, right now I feel about 10 years old and I need to let you know that because it's causing me to shrink a little bit. It's having those open conversations. I am so happy that today we are talking about the connection between mother wound and body image. I think that it's something that just goes so overlooked in today's society. Like truly, so many of us have issues with our body, with our weight. Yes, a huge amount of that comes from society. Yes, it comes from the tabloids and the media and this image that we grew up with in the, in the 90s, you know, of these like stick thin size zero models. But the truth is, is like what you've taught me is that it is deeply also connected to the mother wound. And I'd love just to dig into that a bit with you because there's two key things here that really stand out for me. And once that I read, I think it was you that said this, is like, if you need to ever talk with the critical voice inside your head, it's ultimately the voice of your mother. And that like blew my mind. I was like, oh my God. And I did a TikTok on that and it went viral. And I was like, wow, yeah, people really resonated with that. But I, like so many of us, have a very complex relationship with my body, with food. It's not healed yet. It's definitely better than it's ever been. But I 100% feel happier when I'm athletic, working out, have my body under control, so to speak. But I also love food. 
I love food. I love eating. I love the dopamine hits that it gives me. I love warm carbohydrates, which I've realized in therapy is like, it was my coping mechanism as a child. My mom would feed us these huge, warm meals, you know, me and then my dad and my brother. So a lot of like boys in the house. And it it for me has, it still is today my escape. But I have this one memory of my mom cooked macaroni cheese and I ate a whole plate. My mum said to me, as I went to get seconds of the macaroni cheese, she said to me, do you really need that second portion? And I just like, oh, I just coil back thinking about it because it was like the inner child in me was just soothing my pain, my disconnect, whatever I was going through with food. And my mum shamed me in that moment. And I think, honestly, I probably, like I said earlier, I've pushed back on everything that my mum's ever put in place. And I think one of those things is food as well. Like, I will eat whatever the fuck I want. I have no restraints around food, but I also have always kept that managed by exercising a lot. And I just think it's so interesting that probably a lot of that tied back to childhood, my family unit, the way that my mum loved us with food, but then also shamed me around that too. So I'd love it if we could just jump in quickly into like, yeah, that that critical voice in your head and how you see body image showing up with your clients in practice in connection to the mother wound. Thank you, Louise. I think as well, like you said, the issue with body image, people don't want to talk about it because no one wants to admit that they have an issue with food because we like to project the most perfect image of ourselves. I look this good because it's naturally this way, or I look like this because I've worked hard for it. We don't want to allow people to see that vulnerable side of us that we may have struggled with food. And I think every single woman at some point in her life, when she's not been able to control something, when she's been in a toxic relationship, when she's struggling to get on in her career, whether she's having a tough relationship with her parents or her children, that's one thing that you can control. And the the great thing about food is that it really, it really taps into our reward punishment system. And in the brain, rewarding and punishment, you know, that cycle is so addictive. And this is why more people than we know actually suffer with bulimia, because you reward yourself with the dopamine hit, you fill yourself up with food, it feels great, and then you punish yourself afterwards. So actually, you've got the pleasure and the punishment at the same time. And, you know, but people don't share it because you're making yourself sick, you're emptying yourself, but that empty feeling afterwards feels amazing. You know, because that's what people want to feel. They want to feel that emptiness. They want to, to feel sort of void and vacuous. And then they fill themselves back up again and it feels like a big hook. And I did a post on this on TikTok and it got no views and then I was shadow banned. Um, and again, it is, it's a warm hug. That's what food becomes for us. Now, your mom's relationship with food and also her relationship towards you can stem from even just having postnatal depression If your mom was unable to breastfeed you as a child and she wasn't able to offer you sustenance, maybe she struggled to breastfeed, maybe you were kept in hospital for a bit longer, this can create this this need to nourish you the moment you get home. And so you might have a mom who consistently feeds you, you know, wants to fatten you up. Like you said, carbohydrates, again, it's so situational, Louise, because it, it depends on economics, feast or famine. Like I said to you, when my mum didn't have money, we would have to sort of scramble to put a meal together. But then when she did get paid from work or whatever, straight away, the food, the cupboards would be full. Now I cannot rest unless my fridge is full. 
And sometimes I get takeaways and my fridge is literally full of like goodness and, and all of this great stuff. But it's this feast or famine thing as well. Again, it's finishing everything on your plate and it stems from mom because we spend the most time with her. Our identity is connected to her. We follow her patterns. We watch how she treats herself. Now, when you are in the most neglectful stage in your life, when your mental health is going, you will notice that you will neglect yourself how mom neglected herself. It's always linked. Psychologically, it's it's linked. So if you find that you're not, want, not wanting to get out of bed in the morning, you're isolating yourself, you might have noticed that mom isolated herself when her mental health was bad. She didn't see her friends or she didn't really go out very much. Food is a huge one. So for example, if mom had episodes of depression or mom worked a lot and you would come home from school and you wouldn't have a meal on the table or... Again, your mum would get paid from work and you'd have all these great treats and then you wouldn't have them for the next couple of weeks. If you look at your mental health and you find that I've got food in the fridge, but I'm ordering takeaways or I'm snacking a lot, you know, you could have a full meal ready to go in the fridge and you don't feel like cooking. You're standing at the crisps and the chocolate. Take a look at how mum neglected herself. Did she cook for you and put the dinners down in front of you and then start washing the dishes? Did she cook for you all? And then she'd potter around the house. She was neglecting herself. And so it might be that you've got this healthy food in the fridge and your tea and biscuits, crisps. You could have pieces of bread in the toaster. You're pushing them down. You're waiting for them to pop out whilst you're eating an ice cream. Whatever it might be, it's that you're neglecting yourself and you're doing that through food or through diet because that's what you witnessed mom doing. And I see it all the time with clients who don't sit down and have meals with their children. And they say, my children are not eating. They don't respect meal times. They're running around the table. I've spent ages cooking this meal. And then I ask them, well, do you sit down? Well, you know, I'm usually tidying away or I've eaten throughout the day or they've eaten throughout preparing the meal. And that's why, you know, so our, our food habits definitely come from mum. That is literally so fucked up because I have just had this crazy fucking realization whilst we've been talking this is literally amazing. So my mum is tiny. She's five foot one. I'm literally five foot 10. Like I'm tall. I'm muscular. Like I'm on my dad's side of the family. She is tiny. She is like a bird. She is so skinny. Her legs are honestly like my arms. It's like crazy. And she for sure had an eating disorder when she was younger. I think she was probably anorexic. I'm not, we haven't really dug into it, but I know that she was incredibly thin. And she has made comments before about that empty feeling that you've referenced. And like I said, we're so close that we talk about all of this. Now I'm the opposite, which is like, I, I like to be full, like warm and loved, like you said. But my mum did make a comment like a month ago, which was so triggering for me because she said to me, you know that we don't actually need to eat three meals a day. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And she was like, we do not need to eat three meals a day. Three meals a day is excessive. And I was so triggered by that because obviously I eat a lot, right? And so her trigger triggered my trigger. Like she believes that like control is not needed. We don't need that much food because it makes her feel better. She said that to me and I was like so triggered by it. I was like, that's so unhealthy. You can't say that to me. Like you should be trying to nurture someone that understands how important it is to eat consistently and to eat good nourishing meals, blah, blah, blah which also I struggle with. I'm either very much in the restriction cycle because I'm so busy, which now you've said all of this. I'm like, oh, that's mum, the restrict, the restrict, restrict with a little bit of the ADHD tied in, which makes it so, so hard to think about eating because you're always thinking about other stuff. Or I'm on the other side, which is like eat, eat, eat. Anyway, you've just connected the dots for me because the last two nights, my boyfriend has cooked for me 
because again, another nuance that we don't have time for is like, I now I attract men that are like my mum. Like they're amazing at cooking, they're amazing at cleaning, they cook for me. It's just very interesting how that that cycle, or not interesting, I guess, very obvious how that cycle has played out. But last night he said to me, "Okay, we're going to have dinner together because we haven't spent any quality time together this last week at all." So I'm like, oh, I want to get these these shrimp tacos with this cheese crust. They are like the most fucking bomb thing ever in Tulum. I'm like, they are so good. So we went to get them. He went in, he ordered them. We got home. He was like, are you going to eat dinner? And I was like, what do you mean am I going to eat dinner? Like, we're going to eat dinner together. Didn't you order anything? He was like, no, I'm just going to have a granola bowl. And I, I was like, what the fuck? Like, why? Like, clearly we are supposed to be eating dinner together. I was like so triggered by it. I didn't speak to him for like an hour. I didn't want him to sit next to me whilst I was eating my tacos. I wanted to be like, fuck off, leave me alone. Like, if you're not going to enjoy this with me, like, I'm just going to enjoy it on my own. But also there was some something really triggering that like, I'm eating here and you are not. You're having a low calorie, in inverted commas, meal. And I'm here eating like the best damn tacos ever. And of course I was going to eat them because like my coping mechanism for life is just eat the food. But it was just so interesting to see how triggered I was that like he wouldn't share that eating experience with me, which is like my mum wouldn't. She's always prepare and then never eat. And then vice versa. Again, it was like I was the one that was eating and he was just having like a snack. So I think you've just really helped me connect the dots there as to like how my mum's attitude to food and feeding me but not sharing it with me or judging me for eating or controlling her food is still here in in my my adult life, I guess. Thank you for sharing that, Louise. And it's so true because your inner child in that moment when you were there with your tacos, that was a bid for connection. You know, he said, we haven't spent any time together. Now, because you've done so much inner work, again, asking yourself, this feels like when. You would have gone to school all day. You wouldn't have seen mom. You would have wanted to connect with her. You know, she's there cooking. Get out of the kitchen, Louise. Stop picking. Stop snacking. Dinner's ready soon. And then you would have sat down wanting to speak to mom. You would have been making bids for connection in that moment. And mom would have put the food down in front of you and been distracted. Mom was always uh, pottering about. Now, I do have clients who say to me, Steph, my mum was always in the house, but it was like she avoided me. And it's it's not that our mums avoid us, Louise, it's that they avoid themselves, they avoid the conversation, they avoid being with us next to us. Mum didn't want to eat, you know, she, she prepared the food, she got the dopamine hit from that, she got the connection from that. And so when your partner didn't sit down with you, this feels like when, this feels like when I used to get home from school and I wanted to tell my mum about my day, but she was too bothered about cooking and cleaning. And that trigger came up for you. And it might be that moving forward, when you spend time with your mom, you say, mom, let's just sit down and just have some food together. And I know you don't like to eat as much as I do, but let's just sit with each other and, and I don't want you to prepare it. I want to take you out for dinner or I want to take you to a restaurant so that she's not in the kitchen. And, you know, and, and I think it's that, it's the concept of connecting to our inner child and saying, what need was being ignored there? Because now I feel like it's being ignored here by my partner. And your partner will look after you, cook for you, take care of you. But it's like, no, come and sit with me. I don't need my mom to stitch my labels in my socks. I don't care about my socks. I don't care if she's cooking. I don't care if the kitchen's immaculate. I want to talk to my mom. And it's that, I think, isn't it, that we have to acknowledge. So a great connection. Oh, that is so amazing. You're right. Like underneath all of the cooking and the cleaning, 
what do we really want? We just want connection. We just want love. We just want to be able to chat with our mother in the way that we never did when we were younger. And I just think that is so important. Like the whole thing about life is we just cover our reality with so many walls and wounds and scars and protections and mechanisms. And I just love that in in today's episode, we've given people hopefully the inspiration for them to take a step back and look at what is my connection with my body image? What is my connection with food? What is my connection with feeling empty or feeling full or being a perfectionist or being in control of the house or in control of my job? And I think that tying that back to what our mother taught us or not even what she taught us explicitly, but what we learned from her subconsciously as well as consciously is so beautiful. So unless there is anything else from you, I just want to say thank you. So Stephanie, from the bottom of my heart, thank you to everyone listening. Thank you for having me again. And I just hope that even if you've just picked up one thing today, one gem has dropped for you and you've connected some dots. I'm just, I'm so happy with that. And thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. And I can guarantee that there will be hundreds of gems that have dropped today, far more than just one. So I will see you next episode. And thank you so much.